Man is much worse off than we've ever considered, and God is even greater still. And that's what Romans is all about. So that by the time we hit Romans 8, oh, what an amazing truth we see next on Graceful Truth. It is indeed an amazing chapter, Romans chapter 8. And we are continuing our introductory look to this amazing chapter where we find real freedom, no condemnation. It is all in Christ. It is the response of the gospel that we've learned out of Romans chapters 1 through 7. Hi there. Welcome to Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We would invite you to join us here in Romans chapter 8 as we continue considering this amazing truth of the response of the gospel from God. No condemnation. Here's Pastor Steve with more. In terms of spiritual dimension, without the Holy Spirit, we would have never been saved. We would have never been recreated to who God wants us to be. Remember, salvation is not addition. Salvation is not you changing your ways and adding a mantra or adding a list of things that you have to do to your life. That's not what salvation is. Salvation is transformation. Salvation is you giving up and saying, okay, that's it. It's over. And God recreating you into whom he desires you to be. Without the Spirit's power, we could not have been recreated. We could not have been transformed. We could not have been saved. Without His sustaining presence in our lives as believers, where would we be? I think we would crash right back to the spiritual deadness from which we came. We need to be reminded that the Holy Spirit is a power that God uses in our lives every moment to encourage us, to comfort us, to convict us. So the Spirit of God is very important when it comes to a believer. It's who gave us life. And it's through whom that life is sustained spiritually. Now, the Holy Spirit is not an influence. The Holy Spirit is not some power. He has power, but he's not a power. The Holy Spirit is a person. So when you refer to the Holy Spirit, never refer to him as it. Think if your husband, when talking to friends, referring to his wife, referred to her as it. That would not be very flattering. He would be in a lot of trouble. That would not be good. So we don't refer to the Holy Spirit as it. We always refer to the Holy Spirit as he, because that's what the Bible refers to him as. As the third person of the Godhead, equal to the Father, equal to the Son, in deity and in personhood and in personality. But when you study your Bible and you start to look up the Holy Spirit, you're going to find a lot of things about him. You'll find that the Holy Spirit possesses mind, The Holy Spirit possesses emotion. The Holy Spirit possesses will. That's what makes him a person. He knows the deep things of God. 
The Bible says that he loves the saints, that he makes decisions, he speaks, he prays, he teaches, he guides, he commands. The Bible says that he fellowships, he comforts, he may be grieved, he may even be quenched. And you know what? You can even lie to the Holy Spirit of God. He may be tested, he may be resisted, he may even be blasphemed. And all those things make him a person. And when you look at your Bible, you're also going to find that there's certain attributes that the Holy Spirit has, that the Son has, that the Father has. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is eternal. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is omniscient. He's all-knowing. The Bible also says that he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. Wouldn't you love that, moms, to be everywhere at the same time? (laughs) He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's holy. He's glorious. The Bible calls him God, Lord, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Yahweh, the Spirit of the Lord God, the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of the living God, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, and the Spirit of His Son. But He's also called our Comforter. The Bible tells us that He was active in creation when God was making everything. That He indwelt certain people living in the Old Testament when they needed kind of a special empowering power. It says the Holy Spirit would come and anoint them. That he convicts men, that he enables men to serve God. Listen to this, that he is the agent by which the scriptures were written. He's the one that's responsible for this. That in the life of Christ, for example, he was involved in his birth, his baptism, his temptation, his anointing, his teaching, his miracles, his death, and even his resurrection. That in the world, the Holy Spirit is involved in convicting men of sin, in calling men to himself, and calling men into service. He's involved in witnessing to the testimony of Christ. He is involved in regenerating and bringing about the new birth. And the Bible tells us that in the case of the believer, the Holy Spirit is engaged in glorifying Christ in the life of the believer. Aren't you glad, believer, that that's not left up to you? (laughs) Aren't you glad that God just didn't wipe out all your sins and save you and say, here, now glorify me the rest of your life? Ah, I've got a problem here, God. (laughs) No, he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to dwell right within us, to to kind of walk us down that path. He doesn't just leave it up to us. He indwells us. The Bible says that he fills us or controls us. He gives to us as believers the fruit of the Spirit. Notice I said fruit, not fruits. That wonderful chapter in Galatians, you know, love, joy... I've heard Christians time and time again say, well, you know, I, I, I kind of, you know, it's like the fruits of the Spirit. No, it's, it's fruit. He's describing fruit with those many words. You can't just take joy and pick that and say, hey, I think I'm going to be joyful today, but <laughs> long-suffering, no thanks. No, you can't do that. They all represent God's character and what he expects to see in our lives. And so he imparts those gifts to us. He seals us. He communes with us. He fellowships with us. 
He teaches, he prays, he wars with the flesh, he comforts, he prays for, sanctifies, and empowers us for service. I mean, you can go on and on as you read the pages of Scripture, the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In every sense, fulfilling the role of God through that third person of the Trinity. And we say all that to bring us to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Freedom from judgment, no condemnation. Free at last. Well, what are you free from? Well, we're free from judgment. We're free from defeat. We're free from discouragement, from fear. See, the Bible points out to us very clearly that unless you come to Christ, all those things are going to be facing you one day. Judgment, defeat, discouragement, fear. And I would even add to that all of eternity in a place called hell, which is not a very nice place last time I checked. Well, why is that? It's because of man's condition. Because of man's sinful condition by... Just naturally. Think about it. Just naturally, because we're born in sin, we're born in the bondage to death. Because of sin, we are heirs of God's judgment. That's what the Bible says. Because of sin in our lives, we are under a curse, the Bible says. And because of sin, we are bound to an eternal place called hell. And the Bible has told us over and over again, and even in the book of Romans, if we, if we study through this, ever since the fall, every human being has been born into the world with sinful nature. It's just part of who they are. Remember all the way back when we were studying Romans chapters 3. Chapter 3, verse 23. We know that verse very well, right? Let's say it together. For all have sinned and fall short of God, the glory of God. Because of that universal sin problem, all unbelievers are under God's condemnation. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 calls them by nature, they are what? Children of wrath. I don't know about you, but if there's one thing I don't want to be is under God's wrathful judgment. That just doesn't seem like a good place to be. And man is not simply influenced by sin, okay, but he is completely overpowered by it. And no one can escape that sinful influence by their own effort. I mean, even given your best day, you know, you're, you're pulling your bootstraps up and you're thinking, man, I'm going to live a, a life that's honoring to the Lord. Outside of God's power and his intervention, you don't have a prayer. We'll fall on our face every time. Because sin is some devi- defiling disease that corrupts every person. 
It degrades every individual, disquiets every soul. I don't care if you're a beggar on the street or you're the Pope. You've been affected by sin. It steals peace. It steals joy from our heart. And it replaces it with trouble. It replaces it with pain. And sin is something that is implanted in every human life. And it brings this universal depravity that no one, no one can cure. Sin places men under the power of Satan, the ruler of this present world system. You know, you read the news, it doesn't take you long to figure out that the, the wheels are coming off the cart. Whether you're reading about politics, whether you're reading about world events, doesn't matter. There's chaos ruling this world. And Satan is behind it. And I appreciate so much what Dana said when he was sharing about, you know, the very fact that the people outside these four walls are not our enemy. They're victims of the enemy. We have to remember that. Because they need that life-changing message of the gospel just like we needed it. And Paul went on even to remind the Ephesian believers that all Christians were once a part of that evil system. As such were some of you, I think he says. Jesus declared that Satan is the spiritual father of every unbeliever. I really have to bite my tongue sometimes when I go to certain events. And a lot of times it deals with chaplaincy. And you're there and you're in a room and you're around a table sharing. And some of these people clearly are not even believers. They're following a false teaching, a false doctrine, but they're serving. They're trying to do what they can. But inevitably, when we're sitting there around the table sharing, somebody always says, well, after all, isn't everybody a child of God? And I just start to, you know, grip my teeth. And I try to say lovingly, well, I don't agree with that statement. Because the Bible says just the opposite. The Bible says that, unfortunately, some are children of the devil. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, John says this, The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. He doesn't know anything but sin. And so because of this sin, beloved, all of us are tainted. All of us are in this bondage, pain, disease, death. And because of that sin, all of humankind, it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 20, we just read it, creation was subjected to futility. And the creation itself groans, suffers the pains of childbirth, until now, together until now. Because of sin, fallen men are heirs of God's judgment. See, if we don't understand why we are condemned in the first place, then verse 1, there is now, therefore, no condemnation, doesn't really mean anything. So we have to lay a foundation. We have to understand, well, what's this condemnation thing all about? 
In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 27, the writer says, A certain terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume God's adversaries. Because of sin, there's a curse on the sinner's soul. Jesus himself said in Mark 16, verse 16, he who has disbelieved shall be, what? Condemned. That's what it says. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22, if anyone does not love the Lord, let him be accursed. That's not good <laughs> to be accursed. Galatians chapter 3 Verse 10 says, For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and perform them. When's the last time you broke a jot or tittle of the law, something that God told you to do through his word and you didn't do it? Well, guess what? You're cursed. We all are. And God is justified in his condemnation of sinners. John MacArthur shares three reasons for this. He says, first of all, he is justified because of all men. Through their lineage to Adam, share in the original guilt of original sin and in the moral and spiritual depravity it produces. That's what we read back in Romans chapter 5. Remember verses 17 to 18? For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. So because we're connected to Adam, and we all came from Adam and Eve, God is just in condemning us. Secondly, God is justified, he says, in condemning sinners because <clears throat> every person is born with an evil nature. Every person is born with an evil nature. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desire of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. We're all cut from the same form. There's not a person here in this room that could say, Oh, I've never dealt with sin. I've been, I was born perfect. No. You don't have to teach your little child how to sin or misbehave or be disobedient. They just do it naturally. Third, he goes on, he says, God is justified in condemning sinners because of the evil deeds their depraved natures inevitably produce. I mean, this is something you can see very clearly today in the world, right? Romans chapter 2, verses 6 and 8 says, God will render to every man according to his deeds. To those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation. 
verses like that give me the grace that I need when I hear a doctor talking about the way they abort a fetus, a baby in the womb in order to preserve some of the organs so that they can sell it as they're drinking their wine and munching on their salad. Disgusting. You know what? God will render to every man or woman according to their deeds. They won't answer for it. And that baby that they tore apart in the womb, in my mind, is in the presence of the Lord immediately anyway. That's the only hope we have. And because of sin, the unregenerate have no future to look forward to at all except damnation to hell. That's what the Bible says. It's called the second death, the lake of fire, judgment without mercy, pain without remission. The Bible says that the lost will be in a place of utter, outer darkness. They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Romans chapter 3, Paul said in verses 9 to 18 there, he says, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's nobody who seeks for God. There's none who does good. He even says, with their tongues they keep on deceiving. Destruction and misery are in their paths. There is no fear of God in their eyes. That's the society in which we live. And he describes for us, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin, that the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation, but on the other hand, the free gift arose from the many transgressions resulting in justification. So then, as through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men, even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men, that being the sacrifice of Christ. We need to be reminded today, beloved, that we are all faced with being condemned by God if it weren't for the grace and the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to be reminded that it's through His precious Word, it's through the power of the Spirit, that when we leave these four walls and we go out and we're faced with people in the grocery store, at the Little League practice, at our place of work. As our brother said earlier, they're all going to spend eternity somewhere. And we have the opportunity to at least bring the food to the table, bring the message to their heart. What they do with it, we can't control that. But we definitely can be the messengers of this good news. I mean, that's the whole purpose of salvation. So that we can say, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
And this is Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Closing out our broadcast today, we're mindful of the fact that you may have questions about the broadcast today. A couple of ways to deal with those questions, A, obtain a copy of the message in its entirety and review it at your convenience, or B, simply get a hold of us here at Grace Bible Church. Now, the best way to do either is to give us a call at 650-366-9923. Again, that number is 650-366-9923. You can also reach us online, gracebibleonline.org. That's gracebibleonline.org. If you're looking to visit us, we have services at 10 a.m. Sundays, and we're located here in Redwood City. Directions and details can be found again at our website, grace-bibleonline, or by calling 650-366-9923. Hey, let me ask you, what do you believe? Can you summarize it? Are you ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you at any given moment? If not, or maybe you would just like to be refreshed or encouraged in what we believe as Christians, then you need to sign up for this year's Equip Conference. It's happening this September 14th and 15th. Join Mark Spence, Andrew Rappaport, and Dr. Anthony Silvestro for a Friday and Saturday conference that is designed to equip you for everyday ministry. For information, again, reach out to us at gracebibleonline.org or simply call 650-366-9923. And then join us next time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Graceful Truth is the ministry of Grace Bible Church in Redwood City.